They're continuing to load in well here for this big Group 1 event. There's a bit of movement from out wide. This will be confirmation from downstairs. Hello, broadcast. Okay. The clerks of the course have been passed fit to start, and Dean and Lewis are in the saddle. The red light goes on. The clerks of the course podcast is set to begin. Ready. And they're off. Chautauqua very late. It's English a half length in front. Can he do it? Chautauqua. He's flying. Yes. And excellent. But McCarty Diva clear with 100 metres to go. Excellent runs to second. On a zone runs on. But a champion becomes a legend. McCarty Diva has won it. G'day punters, welcome to another episode of the Clarks of the Course podcast back for week eight, I'm pretty sure it is now. Uh, am I losing count a little bit? Yes, but I'm enjoying myself too much to be keeping count of the weeks. Joined by, as always, myself, Lewis Willoughby, Dean Watling in the co-host chair with me, a uh, a pretty groggy looking Dean from a big uh, long weekend that just went by that I thought was still going until I saw that the date was Thursday today. I thought we were still trucking on from the long weekend, mate. How are you feeling? It was a uh, it was a tough one. It was a long one. Yeah, it was a very very long long weekend. Um, unfortunately, ripped myself off Saturday night and spent the two uh, beautiful thirty degree days in bed Monday, uh, Sunday, Monday, and then struggled a lot on work this week. So no, nah, it's good to look forward to the new weekend, uh, new races, new bets. So hopefully, hopefully can turn around. What about you, mate? Big weekend for you. Yeah. Yeah, exactly the same, mate. Still haven't um, brought myself to check my bank account balance. It was. It started. I'll run you through what happened. It started Friday night uh, for the Roosters Panthers game. The Roosters going down by one was probably an omen of things to come for the weekend. Just really not getting it off on the right foot. So it was a big night Friday. Then Saturday we rocked up um, to the Sheaf in Double Bay at twelve. Got on the punt there. Terrible day Saturday. Uh, hungry heart probably I think for you and I both was the, the heaviest loss of the day. Yeah. Um, so that was a big lock in there on, on Saturday. And then uh, Sunday went to uh, brunch with a few friends and did the old adage of well, you can't get hung over if you just keep going. Yeah. So with my egg Benedict at 10 a.m. in the morning, we got back on the schooners there. And it was another big day Sunday and then Still just went out for beers Monday, Tuesday night, even last night. So it hasn't really stopped, to be quite honest. Bringing me to the beer selection um, of tonight. And because I think today for the first time I had my first glass of water in about 120 hours, I've had to get on the Great Northerns because I just couldn't drink anymore. So my beer of choice for this, uh, this, this weekend, punters, is the Great Northern Original. Uh, full strength, tastes like water, looks like water, um, and I'm just pretending it is water because I need a bit of it. What are you on, Dean? Yeah, I got a little bit of inspiration this week from our um, good mate, good friend of the show, Timmy Boy, um, got me onto the Two Sons. Uh, so it's a very similar drop to Carlton Dryer, strong beer, uh, 1.1 standards, but I don't mind at all. And for 17 bucks for a six-pack, I don't think you can go wrong. So that was very nice on the purse. After, like you said, a very, very tough weekend, Hungry Heart's still giving me nightmares. Gee, I, I didn't think uh, any suggestions that old Timmy Gage was given to be any good, but it goes all right, does it, the two sons? It's not too bad. Cheap as chips. That's probably the best thing. Six pack for 17 bucks. Um, tastes pretty much the exact same as your carbon dries, um, probably your f- full strength um, Grey Northern, so it's not too bad at all. Very good. Now, before we start talking about a few things from last week, such as Hungry Heart. We're going to have to get into it. Maybe uh, sometimes, you know, punters, the best way to, to move on is to talk about things and get it all off your chest and, and, and maybe we'll come out the end of this podcast better better humans for, for talking about it. But uh, in this episode, obviously, another massive Group 1 day of racing coming up on Saturday. This time it's Melbourne's turn. Uh, one of the biggest days of the year at Caulfield. It's Caulfield Guineas Day. There's four Group 1s on the program I'll be going through all four of them with my thoughts and selections. Uh, Randwick, we re- it's still at Randwick. We've got Group 1 Spring Champion Stakes Day. Um, back in the old days, pre, pre-Rona, pre this was one of the great days out at Randwick. Moet and Shandon 
spring stakes day, always a you know start of summer daylight savings type of vibe out there at Randwick. So it was always a good day, but it'd still be good to punt at home nonetheless, or if you're one of the lucky ones on course. Uh, and yeah, the Group One previews. We'll get up with the Get Out Stakes Challenge. Our Group One challenge is always at the end of each race. Uh, and the reason for this being a another, let's say, quieter than normal pod is that we have, uh, and not to give anything away, but we have some massive, massive news regarding the podcast uh, coming up for the rest of the spring. It all starts on Sunday. I can't say much more than that uh, at the moment. But Dean, you'll agree with me here that Sunday will be one of the most momentous days for the podcast. Yeah, it'd be a huge day. Um, probably <clears throat> probably one of the better days of the week, even if we have a bad day Saturday. I think uh, what we've got in store for Sunday will definitely cheer us up. But no, definitely looking forward to what's coming up and just putting a little teaser out there for the punters, for the listeners. Uh, keep you all roped in and ready for what's coming. That's it. Now, the elephant in the room, mate, Hungry Heart. We, I keep mentioning it. We've got to get there. We've got to talk about it. Um, obviously, it was one of your tips on Saturday, given out to the punters and the listeners. Um, and I was, you know, a couple of skewies in by then and decided to have a lash because, you know, when things maybe weren't going my way early in the day, you go, well, this one, this is a settler here. It was, you know, just above even money, I think, or so. And you were like, all right, this is the settler. Uh, this is going to get us back on track. Obviously, it was in the flight stakes, the group one, uh, and was nutted on the post by Montefilia. Now, what are your what were your thoughts immediately after the race and now that you've had a bit of time to to, to dissect? Yeah, immediate thoughts were I thought she was dead set home at the 200. <clears throat> I was sort of quietly confident. Um, and then Montefilia popped off its back and probably got the peach of the run um, brought into the race beautifully by Hungry Heart and um, tacked the line well. That's probably the only negative that I saw with Hungry Heart. Got probably the run of the race. They went um, they went very quick up in front, so settled in a beautiful spot. Just one thing I've noticed, the last probably three starts now, and I thought probably the first two starts were just a victim of sort of the barrier where she got in the run, but she she hasn't really been pulling herself into the race very well. I think J-Mack was got stuck into her about the 600-metre mark and sort of had to get into her to get going, so... She's sustained a very long run there, um, like I said, from the 600 home. Uh, Montefilia just sat on the back of her, pretty much got a peach of a run. Hungry Heart was a sitting duck late, so I think she's gone enormous there. I'm definitely not jumping off her for those three seconds. Um, but just slight query on her quickening late. You sort of really want to see her attack that line the last 200 where she sort of laboured a little bit. Not not necessarily laboured, didn't really get on with it. Um they are my thoughts. I definitely won't be jumping off of her, and I'm, I'm seriously considering backing her this weekend with the blinkers on. But how do you see it, mate? Yeah, look, I, I agree. Uh, on the floor at the time, looking back, it's, you know, although they get done, it wasn't the worst run. But, yeah, look, Mont- Montefilia, well, it, you know, was near, near enough to that double-figure quote, got towed into the race, as you said. Um, it was a touch underwhelming, I think, when I looked back at it. As in, you know, definitely that was that was Hungry Hearts for the taking and just couldn't execute it in the final stages. Uh, they've gone the quick back up down to Melbourne. Hugh Bowman's down there to ride, um, sticking at the 1,600 metres, and the blinkers go on. Do you think blinkers should have been on for the flight stakes? Do you think that would have done uh, any any difference? Uh, could have, for sure. I think we'll find out this weekend. But it probably shows the confidence Waller had in the horse not to put the blinkers on. Um, mm. I guess he might have been in the same boat as many punters, just thought the first two runs where she sort of didn't quicken off the mark uh, as much as we'd like, could, could have been put down to sort of those barriers or when she got stuck in the pocket. But then she sort of had the dream run, uh, <clears throat> peeled out the 600 and sort of, yeah, like I said, didn't quicken. So I think the blinkers on. I love a quick backup into a group one, and I don't think you can knock that the run at all. And I think, if anything, the win of Montefilia, I want to sort of uh, congratulate it, but I'm not not thinking that she's an absolute moral going into this weekend spring championship. I think I want to take a couple of notches off her wing. She pretty much got the if, – if Hungry Heart got the dream run, she got an even better run. Mm, yep, that's right. Now, one of the wins uh, of the weekend, I thought, and unfortunately wasn't on, uh, but Libertine. First up in the um, the premier comes out and just goes bang two length victory over Classic Legend uh, paid around that thirteen dollar mark on 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 the SP um, and stormed straight into Everest calculations and then 
lo and behold, James Harren uh, picks her up in in his slot. So how did you rate that win of Libertini first up on the weekend? Yeah, to the eye, it was absolutely outstanding. Rode that hot speed and then just peeled off uh, Cassie's Legends back and went bang. And I think the authority sort of when she got level with Cossique Legend, you thought, hey, she, she might win this by half a length. But then she went on with it and won by that two lengths, like you said. Reading the ratings coming out this week, especially Dan O'Sullivan's, I, keep, I think we both keep a keen eye on the ratings there. And it was the best rating of the year, 108. So first up to do that, uh, leading to an Everest, she probably was a forgotten horse. But it's, it's very strange. A lot of these think she's probably the third or fourth horse in the Everest that's come out been underestimated first up, Rufaya, Gitra, Classic Legend, and blown them away. So makes for a very interesting uh, Everest now. But um, to the eye, outstanding, and the figures backed it up. Is that how you saw it? Yeah, and it's an interesting one because I'm looking at the market here uh, on Play It. You've got a Classic Legend $4.80 favourite, Libertini, who uh, put two lengths on it on the weekend. I know give and take luck and a few other things, but Libertini's third favourite six fifty. So there's still that... Real good price gap between Classique Legend and Libertini. And if you think uh, that the winner Libertini is strong enough to come out and win the Everest, then you're getting an all right price to find out about at 650. Geetra still at 550. Uh, Nature Strip out to 650 now. That's a. Did you see it as another bit of a flop on Saturday? Or because James McDonald keeps coming out after each, each run and saying, no, nah, no, nah, she'll be right, she'll be right. And obviously, I, you got to to an extent, take his word for it. But there'd have to be some nerves going around the camp now after those two runs. Yeah, well, I think you're feeling a lot worse than we are on Hungry Heart if you backed Nature Strip around that $4 mark about a month ago. But I think there was genuine excuses there. I read again, or the figures again, he's, he went out very quick. He can sustain that, but I think third and fourth up he can. Uh, so it was a weird sort of you know, not ideal prep leading into that run. And then he pulled up with that mucus as well. So I think there's been an infection there. I think he's been treated with antibiotics and a couple of other things to hopefully get rid of that. But like you said, out to that 6 $7 mark, I think he, his next run is the Everest. So I can't see him firming anything like that. So he's starting to sort of get out to that price where if he can overcome those sort of those little queries he's got in his, his prep so far, 6 $7, you wouldn't have dreamt of that. So two, three months ago in an Everest, which now looks like there's not much speed at all. You've got Rothfire out, Anders in doubt. Oh, sorry. Yeah, Anders in doubt, Farnham in doubt as well. Um, so it went from probably the quickest Everest we've ever seen to probably Nature Strip out in front on his own. So definitely it's it's such a good race for that fact. Um, that's why I think most punters are drawn towards it for that reason. Mm, and I think that that's just going to help Nature Strip as well. Although he's kind of bombing at the moment, the fact that you've got all those, all those withdrawals up on speed um, now just again plays into Nature Strip's hand. I think if you if you if they weren't scratched those ones you just mentioned, uh, and Nature Strip was running as is, uh, you, you could dead set be getting close to double figures about Nature Strip at the moment. But it's just the fact that it, he's going to get a lot of favours in that race thanks to. The scratchings now. Santa Ana Lane was another one that stepped out down in Melbourne uh, on Saturday um, on his way towards the Everest. I there was some differing opinions uh, going around racing Twitter. I personally thought it was a it, I, not by any means a bad run, but just maybe a touch uh, below where you'd need to be as that top level sprinter. Um, comparing the performance that he ran in the same race last year. Um, I thought he was just a touch below, but they did go at a slower tempo. He's left a bit flat-footed. He still had found the line well enough, but when you look at these at the top of the market, Classique Legend, Gaitra, Libertini, etc., cetera, um, I think Santa would need a pretty hectic speed up front to be really carted into that race out wide and be able to let down, and I'm not sure if that's going to happen. But nonetheless, he returned and always runs better second up, as we know. So Santa and Elaine somewhat on track now. The... Uh, a good Group 1 win of the day last weekend was Probabil. Uh, thoroughly deserved cracker of a ride too um, from the barrier that they had out wide to just kind of get up on speed and, and have that run and, and pull away too strong. The old sparring partner uh, in second, uh, as usual, they always seem to run one too, those two, I swear. Uh, yeah, how did you make the win of Probabil that we both tipped for our Group 1 challenge? Yeah, outstanding win. Uh <clears throat> I jumped off her. I was very keen. I think a lot of partners were off that um, second up win, went off that sort of moderate pace, but still had 
enough gears to get past that field sitting handy. The barrier turned everyone off, but I think it just highlights the fact, especially in these big group ones, if you've got a horse like that that gets back and runs on or could reel off those sectionals, these wider barriers in these big fields probably aren't as bad as we thought. It's such a common thing we see in the market. I think Star of the Seas drew one and automatically firmed and then probably drifted off 18. You go back and look at the run and you can just see not the advantage but sort of why 18 or a wider barrier like that is not a disadvantage. You've got clear passage, got time. Yeah, it might have been wide, but the pace is there. You're going to get sort of that two to three, 400-metre um, straight-line sprint where Star of the Seas was bottled up, horses in front, some dropping back in the lap. But no, outstanding win. Um, it was good to see fun stuff fly home too. They're, they're, like you said, they've had a cracking battle, but no, nah, great win. All, all, um, all props to her. Now, I think she's heading to the Cox Plate now. Is that what you're hearing as well? Yep, so she's uh, on her way down to Melbourne to running the Cox Plate. Um, should be a good chance, I think. Should can be can be a really good chance in the Cox Plate. I mean, I know, uh, and, and and all the listeners out there know that I'm still very keen on on uh, Russian Camelot. Um, but yeah, look, I've I've definitely got a soft spot for Probabile, um, and I think can be very competitive in, in a Cox Plate down in Melbourne. Now, if you didn't already have enough head noise. Uh, at this stage of the day. In race eight, the Group 1 Metrop, Muggets, who looked all over a dead set winner, uh, and I'm sure there would have been a lot of punters on Muggets, who by this part of the day, and then just was nutted in the final strides by Mirage Dancer. Another huge day out for the Besutton and Young team. Uh, they always run well when they bring him up to Sydney. Nash uh, gets another Group 1 winner. Uh, how did you find the Metrop? Did you have a bet in that? Yeah, I was on, like you said, Mugger 2. <laughs> I was a couple of beers deep at that time, and I sort of was a little bit away from the TV, and I dead set thought that Mirage Dancer was Mugger 2 shadow, <laughs> and I was tearing home Mugger 2, thinking, yeah, we're home here, and then shot up, uh, shot up from the fence to win that well. Uh, note on that too, I think uh, I did the review on Sunday or Monday, uh, eight out of the nine winners at Ranwick um, come from off rails in run. Mirage Dancer was the only horse of the day to come from the rails in run position. So I think the the run was huge. And I don't think it was it wasn't very talked about much in the media after. That's a pretty pretty big training performance from the Buston and Young team to bring a horse like that up to the Sydney to a metro. I think it was even first up. If I can uh, yeah, I think possibly sure. yeah. Or it would have been a break between runs anyway to get it up to Sydney. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so no, a huge run. Uh, I thought Mugatoon was home for all sake. I think if we got a drop of uh, wet weather, I think he would have been winning that race quite well. Um, did you have a bet in that race? Yep, Mugatoon. Uh, it was Mugatoon, <laughs> as per as per usual. But you know, you can you could have tried to look away from it and and spec mm-hmm. something. You know, not being a massive Sydney form analyst, I just kind of the stack of money and the, and the confidence from a lot of people was enough to put you yep. onto it. It wasn't a serious lash, but it was a, a bet nonetheless that uh, ran another second. So that's always good. Now, the one group one down in Melbourne was um, was very elegant win in the Turnbull Stakes. Uh, now, before I move any further, I have to publicly announce a uh, close friend and, and, and listener of the show, Max Wills, your six-pack is on its way. Uh, we had a little challenge. I publicly declared that it could not win. Uh, the grit, the, you know, the firm ground. It was a good three. It was up, upgraded to a good three, and she was still able to win. It was, you know, an unbelievable one. And I think maybe I'm the only person in the world that kept, you know, talking her down a bit and, you know, undermining her, but she got it done. And uh, Max will be enjoying his six pack this weekend, no doubt. Uh, it was a good win. Toffee Tongue uh, in for second. I've, off the back of that, had a futures bet on Toffee Tongue in the Caulfield Cup. Thought it was a really, really good run. Yes, she had a, a soft run, uh, kind of in behind the speed, in behind the leader, but uh, I thought it was a, a good enough run at huge odds to to be worth a ticket in the Caulfield Cup. I think she's come back really well. Uh, Finch, who ran third, ticking along really nicely uh, for the for the Melbourne Cup. He was caught wide without cover and still worked home really strongly, only beaten point two of a length, huge win. Uh, now, this is where it starts to get, uh, uh, funny for me. The fact that Dallasan was able to finish fourth, beaten 0.4 lengths, tells me that Russian Camelot has miles on all of them out of this race. I personally think if you, Dallas, uh, Russian Camelot has uh, easily 
a few lengths on Dallas Ann, and then if Dallas Ann's able to get within 0.4, if you kind of compare those two stats like that, I think um, Russian Camelot's got an absolute arm and a leg on, on all of them. Master of Wine worked home uh, well. Warning was the eye-catcher for me, I thought. I'm not sure if you reviewed the race, but got a, got a while out of its ground uh, and flew home, only one length off. And Superstorm, no real surprises there, was beaten. It was a weird prep up to 2,000 metres off a 1,400-metre <laughs> run. How do you think of the, uh, the Group 1 down in Melbourne? Yeah, cracking race. Um, <clears throat> a little bit of a sick story. I'll tell you about the very elegant. I was sitting at the pub, a guy rocked up. First bet of the day, pulled out 500 bucks in his wallet, went to the, the tab machine, went to put on very elegant at the $6 quote, got to the front of the line, got chatting to someone accidentally, put his bet on, race jumped. He quickly looked at his ticket and he put on the wrong horse. He accidentally put on Harlem. So... <laughs> Oh, that sort of made me feel a lot better, but that's just one of the stories that summed up um, Saturday. But no, cracking race. <clears throat> I thought I want to be f- very forgiving. I did the review of uh, Caulfield. Uh, sorry, Flemington there. Uh, a lot of horses, especially up on speed with that um, crazy crosswind. I think it was like 40 kilometer hour winds. I think nearly every single winner come from Winfield or worse. Um, rails or off rails didn't matter too much, but you just need to cover that day. So probably a lot of forgives on those horses on speed that sort of rode that wind as well. But no, all props are very elegant, proved pretty much a lot of Twitter punters as well wrong with that um, one win from eight starts on a dry track. Wins well with a, a bone dry, good three. But like you said, mm. I don't think we've even seen the best of Russian Camelot yet. And when you read through the form ones there, it just, it just makes you smile if you've got a couple of futures bets on. That's it. And just quickly on, on because we both had ordinary days on, on the pun on Saturday, how do you – you bounce back well this week with a few tips and you've got – how do you kind of turn yourself around from an ordinary day uh, on the pun? This is, I guess, a, a, a good uh, yarn for everyone to listen to. How do, you, how do you find you can turn yourself around from an ordinary day on the punt and bounce back and, and, and bet with confidence again? Yeah, I think that's probably the biggest challenge in punning for sure. I think both of our confidence would have been shot off the Saturday – I think you just got to do the basics right. Go back to what what you know, even if it takes. Because I think a lot in a lot of the time you get a lot of these um, sort of stereotypes or systems in your head that you think you're running by. But even if you sit down, write down the sort of the basics, what you're looking for in a race or what you, what your strengths are, stick to that. Um, you shouldn't be scared of your staking size. If you're scared of your staking size, you're probably betting too much. But um, just back yourself 100. percent You're losing runs of all part of the game. Um, there's no point. Um, shriveling up into a ball and not punting again. You sort of get it back on the road. Um, the probably biggest key is not to change nothing, especially after a big day like that. You can sort of look back and go, oh, I'm not going to do this anymore. I'm not doing that now. I'm changing my whole style. This punter over here had a great day. What he, what's he doing? I think you just the key to it is to stick to your systems. I think it's the exact same when you go on winning streaks. Winning streaks are probably even worse. You can sort of jump off what you know and what you're good at just because you're going good. You think you're sort of invincible, but... I think you just got to back yourself, and I'm probably, probably myself. Even I'm not your perfect person for that either. I struggle a lot. I think a lot of punters do with that confidence jumping on the bandwagon. But yeah, just back yourself. Is that is that your sort of same ideas, Louis? Yeah, that's it. You you go home that night, and no matter who asks, you broke even. You you're honest. You broke even. You could, you could have lost a thousand or won a thousand, and it's still the same. We broke even. But yeah, look, confidence is a big thing, and you can't let you know, the next day or the next week or the next month be impacted by a big loss on the punt. I mean, it's 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 gambling for a reason, right? We all know that that's what comes with it. So you just, as you said, stick to your basics. You wake up the next day or you wait, maybe wait a day or two. That's not always a bad idea. If you had a big strip out, just give it a few days and then come back and stick to what you know and know that if you're confident in, in your things and who you got around you, that the tide will turn and um, we get back on it. That's it. And that's how, that's how you kind of got to play it, especially in spring. You know, you can't, with all these big races and good betting opportunities, you can't let uh, things like that go to the wayside just because you had one bad day out. Now, before we get into our big Group 1 previews, a few little tidbits from the week. Official horse of the podcast, show some decorum, ran third yesterday at uh, Bendigo. Uh, was supposed to lead. Unfortunately, there was rain around, not enough to downgrade the track at the time of his race, but it made the surface quite slippery. Um Looking at the stewards' vision after he slipped at the start and therefore wasn't able to lead, had to settle in behind them. Um, people watching would have thought, well, that was a bit average because he got the run of the race in the 1-1, but 
the thing with decorum is that he needs to lead. He's a very one-dimensional character. Uh, if he doesn't lead, he, he resents it, and he, he he just doesn't like being there unless he's out the front bowling along. So he did well to finish as close as he did in third. Uh, the form lines all around him are still strong, and next start, second up, even fitter again, hopefully on a dry deck straight to the front. Uh, I think we'll definitely be seeing the best of him. Hopefully, we will never see him in what's running tomorrow, which is the Hotham at Ballarat. Uh, always a great race to watch. Maybe not a great race to punt in, I'm not sure. But as we all know, the Hotham uh, at Ballarat for Australia's best or worst horses, best maideners, worst horses uh, as it is. So they'll be running around tomorrow at Ballarat. It's always a fun race to watch. Um, will you be having a punt in the uh, the Hotham, Dean? I think it'd be rude not to. Uh, might do the form lines tonight. A uh, couple of replays, couple of speed maps. See who's about to peak performance and might have a little tickle tomorrow. What about yourself? You gonna have a punt? Have a fair crack at one? <laughs> I, I might have a go at the market mover, um, but I definitely won't be spending any of my time doing form for the race. I can tell you that much. Yeah, it's one of those days, one of those novelty races that we all love. Um, probably from the worst race to one of the best races or best days of racing. We'll move on now to the huge uh, Caulfield Guineas Day preview. Um, <clears throat> we're on a good track currently, uh, rails in the true. We've got the four group ones, like you said, the Ned Stakes, the 1,000 Guineas, the Caulfield Guineas and the Turak. Um, race six, seven, eight and nine of the day. Like you said, it's probably one of the best days of racing, of punning of the year. Um, early thoughts, Louis. How's the track going to play? Track conditions, rain, anything around? Nah, it shouldn't be. shouldn't be. I've been monitoring it a bit down there. There was a bit of rain around today and maybe into tonight and tomorrow morning, but I don't think anything enough to affect the track rating. Uh, turn race card, marathon card, one of the great days out at Caulfield. As I said, I was there in 2018. Um, and I'll touch on a few things, uh, you know, a bit of race history as we go through. But there in 2018, electric atmosphere, really, really good day out at Caulfield. Great days racing. Rail back in the true. Uh, good four, as we said. Think it should be playing fair enough. Caulfield has been going really, really well of late, uh, giving most horses their chances. Uh, a lot of things that's starting to come into it, a good form point that you should look out for is the wind. As you mentioned last weekend at Flemington, that real big headwind uh, as you kind of turned into the home straight was a big factor on on the races. So I would encourage um, everyone listening to go on you know, on Friday or Saturday morning, just check how that wind playing, see what direction it is, see how strong it is because it obviously does have uh, a massive effect on, on how the races will be run and won. Beautiful, beautiful. Always a key, especially come race day, to check conditions, see how the track's playing. Before we launch into these four group ones, we might get the cash nice and early. you got one bet for the punters. Uh, comes up in race two over the 1,200 metres. Um, which horse are we starting the day off with a bang? Yeah, that's it. Back on the cash early rhetoric. We know how this works. Uh, race two, number three, swats that. That's about $2.20 or so. You could check that for me in a second, Dean. But, yeah, swats that. Group three thoroughbred club stakes here. Uh, it's third up and came and comes off a really impressive win in the Group 3 Champagne Stakes at the Valley. Uh, she was forced to sit three wide on speed for that entire race uh, and, and was working hard up there as well. She ran 11.02 seconds between the 1,000 and the 800 and 11.74 seconds between the 8 and the 600. They were both the fastest of the race, and she was really high rolling up there on speed, deep no cover. Uh, apart from all that, as soon as they straightened up, she dropped them in an instant, went straight past, Eased down over the line for a really dominant victory. She ran the second fastest last 600 of the race uh, and that time also rated really well for the meeting. Her run first up uh, down the Flemington Strait behind September run is proving itself as a really strong form line. September run since one again uh, and could be one of the favourites for the Coolmore now. So peak fit third up, as mentioned here, Swats, that sticks to the equal grade, the group three, and sticks to the equal distance looks to map really nicely just in behind that speed from barrier seven in a one-out position, definitely with cover this time. Uh, and I think when presented, she should be able to take care of the field. She's beaten a number of the arrivals in this race previously. Uh, she beat highly discreet last start. Bella Nipotina and Let's Be Glam, she's already knocked off last prep as well. Uh, and with only the one kilo rise in weight, I just don't know how any of them can turn the table. So uh, best on the program for me, without a doubt, is Caulfield race two, number three, swats that. 
currently around that $2.35 mark with play up. Um, hopefully get the cash early, early there, Louie, and can move on to the first of the Group 1, which comes up in Race 6. It is the Ned Stakes, uh, formerly called the Caulfield Stakes. When I looked at this race, I thought, where is the proper name for this? <laughs> where is the extravagant name? But we're going with the Ned Stake for Saturday. Uh, $1 million over the 2,000 metres. Um, run us through the preview, Louis. Yeah, mate. Don't worry about the name because uh, I think in a few years' time, this will be named the Russian Camelot Stakes. <laughs> I expect him to be winning by a very, very big margin here on Saturday. So the first of the group ones. Some previous winners, Cape of Good Hope won it last year. Uh, and then didn't really go on with it after that. Ben Battle in 2018 won it. I was there that day, uh, and I was on the Godolphin stablemate that got nutted on the post that I can't remember the name of, but uh, it was it was not a bad price, and Ben Battle just nutted us in the final stride. Then went on to run second in the Cox Plate behind Winks, uh, and Winks is also a previous winner. You've got other names like Criterion, Ocean Park, so you think, Hubie got you. So it's a really prestigious race. Uh, hopefully we can get a name for it soon. As I said, I think it's going to be the Russian Camelot Stakes. A uh, little speed map here, Galo Shop and Le- – it's only a small field, six runners. Galo Shop and Lavendi will probably cart them up. Uh, Humidor back in the field. Uh, speed map doesn't really mean much here, to be quite honest, in this small field. As I said, Russian Camelot, no surprises. You're not getting any quote for it. Um, don't really know if it's a betting opportunity. It's more just a, a watch and enjoy. Comes off a dominant Group 1 Underwood win, sat outside the lead, controlled. Kicked clear in the best going. Fitter again out to 2,000 metres. And arguably, this is an easier race than the last start as well in this smaller field. So have no idea how it loses. Uh, Humidor, probably the next best. Just absolutely flying of late. Really been turned around uh, by Chris Waller, as he can do, we all know. Going to get back here again from Barrier 1 in a small field, but was the best of the rest in the Group 1 Underwood last start, so can be the best of the rest again. I think the step out to 2,000 metres as well will help its cause. Uh, Arcadia Queen, only fair last start. Maybe was in the wrong part of the track when Pikey went back to the inside. Um, Funnily enough, she's actually currently quoting shorter than she was last start, which I just find crazy. I thought the way that Russian Camelot was able to beat it, I don't know why you'd offer me a shorter price about Arcadia Queen to get me interested. So that's a bit uh, crazy. But, yeah, don't think it turns the tables. Maybe uh, if I had to put in a fourth number, Galo's shop, if it goes to the front, I'd almost like to see something just go nuts out in front and, and try and bust it open. Maybe Galo Chop's the one to do that, just goes out and starts running these crazy sectionals in front and just try because you've got to do something. Um, you can't just run a slow tempo here again and let Russian Camelot sit off you because he'll, he'll, he'll eat you up. So... Unless someone tries something crazy, six, two, five, and one for me, Russian Camelot. Don't think it loses. My bet, uh, obviously, in the Group One challenge, is just the hundred on RC to win. So Russian Camelot around that dollar fifty price currently play up. Uh, interesting. <clears throat> I think we might see the best of Arcadia Queen, or um, I don't think she'll have any excuses come Saturday. Gets that dry track. I think she got the. Is it the concussions plates or the? Synthetic hoof filler, one of the two come off, so gear changes are off. Um, and like you said, small field should get every chance. A cracking race. Um, I don't think we've seen the, the ceiling of Russian Camelot yet. yet sorry. Um, so I think it's one of those races. You sit back, crack a beer, um, and enjoy one of the, the spectacles of the spring go around. Uh, $100 bet on the nose of Russian Camelot for myself. So both having $100 on the nose for the Group 1 Challenge on Russian Camelot, uh, race six, number six in the Ned States. Um, we'll move on to race seven for our first um, three-year-old. 1,000 guineas over 1,600 metres, um, top of the page, straight there, hungry heart, looking us in the eye. Uh, are we steering clear, Louis, or are we having a double? Well. Part of my decision in this race is is uh, to get back at myself and part of the other decision of the race is that I really like the horse I put on top. So as you said, 1,000 Guineas Group 1 event, previous winners. Uh, Flit won it last year. Amphitrite from the Clouds, famous call in 2018. Some other names, Aloysia and Global Glamour. Now an interesting stat here that I found in the past 13 years uh, Craig Williams, Hugh Bowman, and Damien Oliver have both won this race twice. So out of 13 years, basically half of the time, 
has been won by one of the three jocks. Uh, so you're always keen to be with them in this race, and that's ex- actually exactly what I've done. My numbers are three to beat one, four, and seven. Quick look at the speed. There's likely to be a three-wide line. Uh, I think Night Raid pushes forward from Barrier 12 to lead. Love Sensation, Vangelic, and uh, Ecumenical not too far away. Back in the field, Agreeable uh, and Instant Celebrity, which leads me on to my tip, which is Instant Celebrity. Now, I've uh, got a really big soft spot for this horse. I think she is an unbelievably talented filly, uh, Adelaide filly as well. Uh, so real soft spot. She's aiming to go from a debut two-year-old win to a Group 1000 Guineas winner all in her first prep of racing. It's a huge, huge task, um, but such is the high opinion I have of the horse, I, I think she's able to do it. Uh, third up from a freshen, she was really strong winning last start in the Group 2 Tranquil Star over 1,400 metres here at Caulfield. Settled off the speed, widest on the turn, rounded them up really impressively, held the winning margin late through the line. Uh, that was her first time in Melbourne, and it was a, it was an absolutely outstanding Victorian debut. Returns to Caulfield here, out to 1,600 metres for the first time. Don't think that will worry her at all. Um, she's going to get back again. But as is always the case with these group ones, you're often able to run on well because the speed up front is good. They set a they set a genuine tempo. They don't muck around, and, and that will really set it up for her uh, to be able to run on. Um, where I'm up to here, the rail back in the true as well is another massive factor. If the rail was out, you might take a few points off because it's it's much harder to run, obviously. But the rail back in the true will really help a cause as well. Um, so yeah, I, I'm I'm keen to be with her. I think she's about her right price. I had her and Hungry Heart marked at around that same price, and that's what they are in the market. And as I said, still haven't really forgiven Hungry Heart for last weekend. So yeah, happy to be with Instant Celeb. Uh, and Craig Williams on, as I said, has won it twice in the past 13 years. The next uh, number one, Hungry Heart. I'll put him for second. Um, we've spoken about enough. Blinkers go on, as we said earlier. Does muck well from barrier three. Um, and Hugh Bowman is on, and he's won it twice in the past 13 years. My third pick, funny enough, uh, Damien Oliver's horse, personal. Only one length behind instant celeb last start. Third upfitter again. Should be suited by coming back onto a drier surface as well. Uh, she was only one length off instant celeb, as I said, and is, is close to $20 in the market. So I thought she was overs um, based on the finishing margin from last start. In for fourth, I'll put the seven, Aiden's Field. Third on, ran on really well in the Jim Maloney at listed level uh, and out to the mile is a huge tick for Aiden's field. But, yep, soft spot, bit of a crush on Instant Celeb. Really happy to be with her three to beat one, four, and seven. My bet in the Group 1 Challenge, I'm going to have 70 on Instant Celebrity uh, to win and a little saver, $30 Hungry Heart to win. If it, if it wins, um, we basically just get our money back. Uh, so instant celebrity will be the one that we'll be collecting on if it gets up. How did you say it? Yeah, like you said, cracking race. There'll be a lot of speed up front with horses like Vangelic going um, to the lead, bot runner. So I think we can bank on these sort of backmarkers getting their chance in the Hungry Hearts, Thermos Fears, instant celebrities, personals. Um, I'm going to stick with Hungry Heart. I don't want to jump off her at all. I'm going to have my $100 challenge on her. That will be my bet. Blinkers on, maps well. I think that will be the key recipe. My slight query is first go. uh, Caulfield can get a couple of these Sydney horses unstuck, but I'm hoping Bowman um, gives her an absolute peach from from the barrier and um, we see the best of her steaming home over the top. So that will be my bet, $100 on Hungry Heart, currently around that $330 price. Uh, Instant celebrity will bet around $340. If she loses this weekend, Hungry Heart, are you off? Yeah, off, 100%. Last, last chance, blinkers on. We're throwing the whole book at her. Uh, I don't think she can't win today. Uh, sorry, she can't win Saturday. Uh, I'm not sure what excuses or what I come up with unless she unless she gets held up with horses or bottled up or something like that, then we might be able to forgive. But uh, on paper, it's her day, I'm guessing. There's always some excuse if they lose and you've backed it, mate. Don't worry. There's always an excuse. We can always find one. <laughs> exactly. We'll find something, don't you worry. So that wraps up 1,000 guineas preview. Um, we'll move on to race eight. I thought this was probably the race of the day and probably the most intriguing race for mine. You've got so many different form factors, horses coming from all over the shop. 
Um, you got sort of early two-year-olds that were spruiked as um, major players, uh, your King's Legacies, your Tugger Lowers, but it's the Ned's Caulfield Guineas um, <clears throat> for the boys over 1,600 metres. Um, looks an absolutely outstanding race. Uh, like I said, probably the race of the day. you got the X Factor down there in the bottom, Moonga. So can't wait to hear your thoughts on this, Lewis. So kick us off. Yeah, Caulfield Guineas, 1,600 metres, we said. Always, always, always a great race. Um, and I, I agree wholeheartedly, the race of the day. You just got to look back through the alumni of it. Super Seth last year, uh, nuts alligator blood on the post. That was a cracker. The Autumn Sun in 2018. Now, how, how about 2017, taking it back to Mighty Boss at $101. Uh, definitely the longest price winner uh, of this race in history. And then... Some real good, um, you know, stallions here. You've got shooting to win, all too hard. Uh, press statement won a few years ago. So it's a it's a great grand alumni, and, and it takes a good horse to win. And, and I'm uh, tipping it's going to be a cracking race. Up the front, uh, it was kind of hard to find a, a designated leader. I thought maybe Crosshaven from the really wide draw is going to have to be positive and go forward, cross them and lead. Uh, Grand Slam, Tagalow from Barrier 3 won't want to get too far off them. Um, and back in the field, you've probably got your National Choice uh, and your King's Legacy from Barrier 12, which leads me into my selections. I've gone two King's Legacy to beat three, one, and nine. King's Legacy third up uh, off some really good runs last start behind Old Kirk in the Group 1 Golden Rose. Gave him nine lengths start at the top of the straight, Rattled home along the fence. It was a really good run. I thought it was almost basically a barrier trial um, pretty much leading into a race like this. Gets out to the mile now. That is key. Uh, Bowman sticks. I think I love the fact that he's just going to stalk the tempo again uh, out the back or behind midfield and make his run out wide. Uh, back in the autumn, he was able to beat Ole Kirk and Glenn Fittich uh, when they met over the mile. And Glenn Fittich was the favourite pre-getting scratched. So I just thought at the current price that we're getting offered for King's Legacy, um, I'm really, really happy to be on. think he can, yeah, as I said, just stalk this speed and uh, the mile is, is the big key. To beat Old Kirk, fourth up, uh, the last start win in the Group 1 Golden Rose was very good as well. I can't take anything away from it. It stacked up on the clock and things didn't go right either. Just got you know in behind horses and had to get around heels, got out at about the 300-metre mark really strong through the line and just was able to get the bob in. Uh, the last 600 metres in 34.5 was the second fastest of the race, uh, but only 0.02 seconds faster than King's Legacy. So it just comes back to this price differential that we're getting about them. I just couldn't uh, necessarily find Old Kirk as short as he, as he is in the market. Berry jumps off, Pike jumps on, uh, Pikey in the pressure cooker of a Melbourne Group 1 again, you know, no knock, but uh, these things you do take into consideration. Um, and just the fact that it, it is likely to get back Old Kirk, I would have rathered a wider draw than seven just to give it a better chance to be able to get in that two or three wide line and, and make its run out wide. So few little knocks, but have to respect that um, in really good form and, and could be hard to beat. The one I might also be having a little spec on, not in our Group 1 Challenge, but on the day, uh, Tagaloa was super brave in that Group 1 Rupert Clark. Three wide, no cover, sustained a huge run. Did really well, to be honest, to finish within two lengths of Behemoth. Uh, Behemoth obviously now goes to the Everest. It's a strong form line, as we know. Out to 1,600 metres for the first time. They just kind of keep raising the bar. you got to remember he ran in a Group 1 Blue Diamond as a, as a two-year-old over 1,200 metres and now steps out to the mile for the first time. So uh, obviously at this top level, keep getting out in distance for the, for the first time is a concern. Uh, Craig Williams jumping on, that's a huge push. Uh, and finally draws a good barrier, should be leaders back barrier three. Uh, and if it sees the distance, is going to be a huge chance. The nine, Mawanga, in for fourth. As you said, lightly raced. It's got that X factor, a huge amount of upside. This is obviously its acid test at the mile group one level, but this horse could be anything, mate. It literally could be anything and wouldn't surprise me if it wins. Damien Oliver hopping on, there's no knock there. Um, going back to that win in the dulcifier that it had in September, Old Kirk and King's Legacy run uh, on that same day on the same card, and their last 600-metre times were, were much quicker than Moonga's was. I know there's a lot of factors that can ebb and change that, but 
just if you want to throw that in, um, uh, King's Legacy and Old Kirk were able to run much faster last 600 metres splits. But, yeah, X Factor could be anything and uh, would be stupid to leave it out of your quaddies or your exotics. The uh, the $100 Group 1 Challenge, I'm going to plonk $50 each way on King's Legacy. Perfect, mate. It looks like a very good bet. Close very well up the inside of that uh, Golden Rose race. And like you said, they've met back in the two-year-old ranks. I think it was in the um, the size, if, if I can remember right, and um, beat Ole Kirk on that day. So I think, like you said, it, it's sort of they went very fast um, coming out after that Golden Rose that Rothfire went along at a quick split out in front and sort of set the race up probably perfect, if you could say, for King's Legacy, Ole Kirk. And North Pacific, so you're sort of getting half the quote for Ole Kirk off that win. Still had plenty to give, was held up, had a treacherous run, but he's going to be a get back and, and need some pace up in front. So it leads me to my two bets in the race. Um, I'll be having 50 bucks on Moanga. I know the times and the form doesn't, doesn't stack up from that last start win, but I think you're, you're betting on the fact of a horse progressing. I think the progression from a Saturday provincial win at Newcastle and then the next start winning – um, a listed stakes race uh, in in the metro, uh, pretty easily if you could say. I think if you had a, a straight passage or an easy passage, you'd probably win that race by three or four lengths. So I think you're getting seven dollars for a horse that could be anything. And then my other fifty dollars will be on uh, probably the big jockey change in the race on Tagaloa. I think um, Craig Williams jumps on barrier three. If you look through the form, one point five lengths off behemoth last start you sort of got to think this is probably the only horse that's been tested against uh the older horses leading into this race so i think the markets probably uh, probably over oversaw him because of that uh no wins is prepper or sixth place last start um but i'll be having 50 bucks on moanga and 50 bucks on tagaloa in the caulfield guineas um looks probably the race of the day i'm very very keen to have a bet in that and sit down and watch it for sure. Um, we'll move on to our last group one of the Caulfield meeting. Um, comes up in race nine, 600 metres, uh, Lexus Turak handicap. Um, another great race, another race over the 1,600 metres. Um, talk us through this. Yeah, great race, no doubt. This out of all the group ones was probably the one that I found the trickiest. Um, I couldn't get uh, overly enthused. Um, about betting at, at, at this stage, but uh, nonetheless, uh, we've got a we've got a re- review to get through. So, Turak handicap. You look through some previous winners. Fierce Impact did it last year, and we know how well that Fierce Impact's been able to go on with it uh, in the year that's followed. Made it used to be called the Darren Weir handicap. He won it four times in five years: 2014, 15, 17, and 18. So he was the king of the Turak back in the day. My numbers here, I'm going to go four to beat 15, 13, and 14. I'm going to have a spec. I am Superman. Done more miles uh, this year than a few humans have, to be quite honest. Went Melbourne first up, back to Sydney, now back to Melbourne. Uh, when it was in Sydney, it was that Group 2 Shannon Stakes win at Rose Hill. Faced the breeze that day, so it adds a lot of merit to the fact that it was able to win. Uh, two starts back when it was fresh. Did have the race run to suit uh, when it won here at Caulfield at handicap level over 1,400 metres. I think third up, 1,600 metres, it's just the horse is flying. The Snowden team have really, really got it locked in this prep. Uh, It showed glimpses of talent last prep when it first arrived, and I'm glad to see that they've really got it locked in and travelling. Is going to map really well for midfield from barrier seven. And as I said, he's just in great form, and I thought at the – $7.50 $7.50 quote with play-up currently available, then it be it would be silly uh, to jump off when you're getting a good price. To beat the 15 Buffalo River, second up, was only narrowly defeated behind Windstorm here at Caulfield over 1,400 metres. Uh, he's got cracking second up form, three starts for two wins and a placing. I think he's going to lead here from Barrier 5. Saw an article during the week. Um, they're pretty confident, the Moroni team, and, and they're going to let Williams go to the front and, and bowl along. 53 kegs, he's got nothing on the back. Uh, Craig's obviously wasted to get down to the rate. That's a uh, to the weight. That's a bit of added confidence. Um, a little weird stat that I found here: only in the short career has it had one attempt on good ground, and it actually ran last. So it's going to be a good track on Saturday. Maybe that uh, is no issue, but it's a, it's just a little funny one that I found. But yeah, 59 kilos in handicap 
grade last start down to 53 here in Group 1 level. He's going to take some beating out in front. 13, Junipal, another airborne horse, two straight wins. Uh, this is harder, obviously, at Group 1 level. Only drops one kilo uh, into this run, and it's a huge rising grade. So that was a little negative I could find for it. And if you wanted to spec something um, at some big odds, you could probably do worse than Harlech, uh, who's the stable mate of the favourite Buffalo River. Held ground okay last start, uh, first up in the Oz debut. That was in the Underwood, out to the mile suits. Uh, the jump outs leading into that run first up last start had been really strong. Uh, so it's clearly a talented horse, showed glimpses of top-level talent back in New Zealand. I think it improves here second up and is maybe worth a few shekels at 31 bucks uh, to win. But four to beat 15, 13, and 14 in the Turak, uh, and my $100 challenge goes on $50 each way. I am Superman. Perfect, perfect. Like you said, it's a horse that's sort of turned its form around this prep, showed a lot in the trials first up. Um, first prep, sorry, in Australia, but a lot of horses like that especially can sort of take a prep or two to sort of accustom themselves to Australian conditions. It's absolutely flying, puts itself on pace and has that nice kick late. So I think that's a great bet around that $9 price. Um, I'm going to have three bets in the race. Um, I agree with you for sure. It's probably one of the harder races of the day. You've got a lot of form lines, a lot of probably forgive runs, if you could say, leading in. Horses such as Cascadian, um, huge forgive last start. And then you've got horses like Buffalo River, who's got great second up form. Junipel, um, absolutely flying. And then Aja Shivery, who's coming off a sort of sack run. So um, I'm going to have three bets in the race, $50 on um, number 15, Buffalo River down the bottom, Craig Williams aboard, $20 on Cascadian. thought he probably went, would have went close in um, his last start. Um was very unlucky in that. And then $40 on Junipel, um, number 13, around that 460 quote. That's the way I'll be playing a very open race, but um, three bets for me. So that rounds up our core field, four group ones. Um, absolutely outstanding day. It's probably one of the mouth-watering days for all punters out there to get involved. But hopefully we get the cash there, Louis. That's it. I like how also we've, uh, we've taken different approaches in our group one challenge this week. So if neither of us win, then we're in, in some serious, serious trouble and could be re, uh, you know, re-evaluating our, our, our careers as form analysts if, if we can't get a win between us this Saturday in those Group 1s. Now, like the reverse of last week, there's only the one uh, Group 1 at the other venue. That is Randwick, as we spoke about earlier. Group 1 Spring Champion Stakes Day. Great day out there. Uh, we thought before we jump into your two other bets on the program, we'll stick with the Group 1 theme and get your rundown of the spring champion stakes. If I take a quick look at the market um, for the spring champion, if I get it up here, yep, love tap. Uh, I noticed they turned down some big offers during the week for Hong Kong, which was interesting. I know it's something we've spoken about on the show before. And uh, also down the bottom, the bottom, the last start winner, Montefilia, is your $3.40 favourite. Mate, talk us through your thoughts on the big one. Yeah, it's a great <clears throat> great race on paper. Probably a little bit underwhelming from past years. We had the likes of Shadow here in Castelvecchio um, come through this race last year. I doubt we have a horse like that coming through it this year. So um, if Moanga stays here, probably adds another factor to it. But getting the likes of Cherry Toltini up from um, up from Caulfield, uh, sorry, Caulfield, up from Melbourne, adds another dimension to it. Uh, Montefilia on the quick backup from a Group 1, that's what you always want to see. Um, and you got the sort of the unbeaten horse rising through the grades in Love Tap, who, who should make his own luck out in front. But looking at the paper, I think Love Tap from 13, I think Nash will give it a kick in the ribs and um, <clears throat> press the button early, uh, find the rails and run a lead. Street Dancer comes through that same race that Love Tap does, um, stayed on speed and battled away well in that last start. So they'll make up the speed up front. Um, then you move to horses such as Lions Raw, Montefilia, Cherry Tortini back in the field. Um, they should all get their chances. I think they'll go um, at a steady, uh, steady click, click. Can't even say the word. Steady click up in front. Um, so I think all horses such as those back markers will get their chances. Um, I'm keen to stick with the Melbourne horse, Cherry Tortini. I think I've been very impressed with the first two runs. This prep um, has sat back and closed off uh, moderate speeds, if you could say. Um, 
really like that Glenn Fittich form that you referenced and has that first up form against Crosshaven too. I think they're very nice form lines, especially like Glenn Fittich. I think that will stack up uh, very well. Love the way um, she closed at the Valley. Probably not the horse you want to be running around the Valley. You need sort of that long straight to build and wind up. Uh, fast tempo up in front. Um, like the prep leading as well, you got the 1,400 to 1,600 to 2,000 metres. I think that's the right prep. And for $6.50 at the top of the page, I think that's the way to, That's the way I want to play the race. Um, I'll mention Love Tap. That's my second pick in the race. Um, unbeaten this prep. Showed a new dimension to this horse last start when he was able to find the front kick away. And I sort of thought that last sort of 50 to 100 metres, he might have been vulnerable. But he showed a nice kick and probably extended away to put another sort of length or two on his rivals. You're getting $3.30, uh, sorry, $3.70 around that price too. So it's not like you're taking odds on like we did last start. Montefilia, I sort of want to be a little bit against her at the price. Uh, around that $3.30 price, I think, like we mentioned before, probably got um, the best, if not, I'm oh, sorry, the best run in its last start against Hungry Heart, peeled off the back of her. Uh, Hungry Hearts was sitting duck over the last 200. Did savage the line. Love the way she worked through the line, Montefilia. Um, the 2,000 metres, she should eat it up. But from barrier one, she's going to get locked up on that inside and she won't get the exact run like she did last start. So she'll need favour and she'll need to be very good. So to kick off the Spring Champion Group 1 Challenge in Sydney, I'm going to have my $100 all on the nose of Cherry Tortoni around that 650 price. I think that's an absolute steal come race day. Well, that's very good because that's exactly what I'm doing as well. The 100 on the red rug, Cherry Tortoni, 650 with uh, play up at the moment. And I honestly can't add much more to what you've said there. Um, an interesting runner that they've come for here uh, in early markets. It's probably been the best back, to be honest. There hasn't been much activity apart from Lions Raw, who's gone 26 into 16, uh, only the one scratching of Global Quest, which hadn't really altered the market at all. So that's an interesting one. Pretty sure one last weekend uh, at the Provincials. So I was on a quick backup from that. Um, but, yeah, can't add much more to your preview there. It looks a great uh, Group 1 race and should be a great day out there. Let's hope that we're both right uh, with the Melbourne visitor, Cherry Tortoni. Now, you've got two other bets on the card, uh, obviously, and we're going to go back to race two. It's a six-horse field, uh, and one of our old favourites comes up here uh, for your bet. Talk us through it. Yeah, we've got the cash uh, first up, Wild Ruler. It was a great win there. Got a nice price early too. It was um, probably one of the best goes of the day. I think it was around that four fifty into around $3, even touched two ninety, um, and won very well. Got the run of the race. Um, <clears throat> did it very easy, but I think the, the win first up had huge merit. Couldn't believe that it come up the second favourite compared to Doubtland. You've got a horse who's second up, set for this race, set for this prep from a known stable that... Um, have won the exact same double before or tried to win the double. You've got horses like Cosmic Force last year who has set the exact same prep. Um, there's absolutely no speed at all on paper. Um, from Barry Six, I expect James McDonald to kick up, take the lead. Um, well, I think he was around that $2.70, $2.80 price compared to Doubtland, $2.40. Uh, good win by Doubtland last start uh, at Flemington. But you get a completely different race here. Absolutely, you know, like, like I said, absolutely no speed up on, on um, up the top. He's going to be back um, probably three, four lengths off Wild Ruler. We'll have it all to do at the turn. And I'm still suspect on a good track with Doubtland. Uh, his best form is on that wet sort of ground. So I'm keen to stick with Wild Ruler here. Like I said, beat Asamu uh, last start convincingly by 1.5 lengths and gets a two-kilo two swing on Asamu. So he looks like the horse that will sit on pace with him. So... You can re easily read through that. Last 600, 33.39 from up on speed. I think that's a cracking sectional um, and can only improve off that win. So I'm very, very keen to stick with Wild Ruler. I've taken the early price around that 290, 270 price. Um, I think that's probably one of the bets of the day there at Ramwick. Yeah, it's the only one they've touched as well. 290 into 230, uh, 240. Currently, I even still think, and would you agree with this, that 240 is a backable price? Yeah, for sure. I've got him marked around that probably 210, 220 price, even probably shorter. I just think, look at the map. I think the only sort of danger, if you could make one, would be on the lead coming up from Melbourne. Um, probably has a little bit of X factor about the horse. But other than that, I'll be happy to see Doubtland 
I don't think he's good enough to run over top of Wildwood. So, yeah, very keen, very backable still. Beautiful. Race two, number one, Wild Ruler. Starts us off for Dino Cash early as we do. And moving on to the second bet, race five. Uh, another one, actually, that, that has come up before in the pot, if I'm not mistaken. Talk us through uh, the race five tip. Yeah, race five, the 1,500 metres, Stan Fox Stakes. Um, probably not a race I was overly keen on to look at uh, at first glance, but once I did the form, I come up with a very good bet. I thought a, a horse was very... Much over the odds um, has been found in the market a little bit now due to a scratching of Mamaragan going down to the Caulfield uh, Guineas. Comes in a little bit shorter, but I'm very keen to be on Prime Star here. Um, probably the only horse in the field that's been tested against um, those open-class horses outside of its uh, own age. Um, draws perfect from Barry 7. Should sit off the speed where you've got Global Quest who push forward, Jet Propulsion, Peltzer. They'll set the tempo up in front. Small field suits. I uh, like to form through destination. Um, that horse ran very good against the horse we just mentioned, Wild Ruler, last start. 2.8 lengths off a theory is the form line I want to mention. I think that's the key to this race. Uh, theory has come out since and won another uh, race. Benchmark 88, that race was. You look at that win, a theory beat Prime Star by 2.8 lengths, but the gap back to third was huge in that race. So that's always a key for punters, especially following key form lines like that when they win again, but especially that big gap back to thirds, always a big push. Um, another horse that comes out of that last start, uh, second to a theory, is Prime Candidate, who led all the way in the last there uh, a couple of weeks ago at Rose Hill. Um, like I said, love the gap back to third. Um, third up here, three weeks off into a 1,500-metre race. That's a perfect prep. Uh, I had him marked around that $354 quote. I think he opened around that $8. I was working. I wish I would have saw the price, would have taken that, um, been all over it. But around that $4 price now, I think um, he will start easily second favourite in this race. I think we might even see a little drift on Peltzer. But I'm very keen to be on Prime Star. Uh, form lines, turned its form around this prep, loves the dry track. I think for that $4 quote at the moment, I'm keen to find out. Yeah, mate, too busy on the tools. Eight fifty, it opened, um, and I can tell you, it's not that anymore. We, that boat is long gone. But yeah, it looks a good bet there. Uh, race five, number three, Prime Star, and just to recap, uh, race two, Wild Ruler is the other one. Now, of course, uh, punters, all our uh, Group One challenge bets and tips will be on our socials on Twitter, Clarks of the Course, uh, as per usual. If, if you've um, not been writing them down during this whole time. We'll put them out there on our socials. Now, just before we wrap up the pod uh, quickly, I'm not sure if you've got one, Dino, but I've got a little get-out stakes uh, bet here. Taking it back to Kembla, I was going to go Brisbane again, but after Kadar ran fourth on the weekend and missed a place, I'm just uh, completely off Brisbane as a state. Um, I should have known that when they didn't open the borders. So I'm moving back to uh, the hometown. Not the hometown, the home state. We're going to Kembla. Race seven, number one, Pale King. It's the top weight. It's a uh, European import uh, having its first start. It's only had one career start back in England, and it was a win. Uh, its recent trial behind Guitra was really good, uh, and the race looks an absolute shocker. So I think uh, even with the big 60 kegs, race seven, Kembla, number one, Pale King can be winning. Have you got to get out? Yeah, I've got one this week actually for punters. Um, just finished doing this race before we recorded this. Uh, stick to Ramwick. Love to bet in the last at Ramwick. Uh, race 9,000 metres, a horse called Plaquette. Um, great win first up on Kenzo. Outstanding win. Come from absolutely nowhere. Was heavily, heavily backed second up to um, absolutely crunch late and then got scratched at the barriers. Since then, had a nice trial against horses such as Pandemic and Flint up at Hawkesbury. Very nice trials. Draws barrier six here. I think this horse is absolutely flying this prep. If you have a look at the speed on this race, you've got horses such as Mr. Mosaic going forward, um, <clears throat> Miss Invincible, Blazing Miss. Um, a lot of horses are going to be up front tearing along. So I'm looking for the horse who's going to see off the back of that speed and fire home for six bucks in the last. Um, Rachel King, probably one of the informed jockeys in Sydney. I'm going to have a play on race nine, number 11, Plaquette. Great friend of the show, Rachel King as well. Tops it all. That's the cherry on top, mate. Rachel King on board. She's getting a lot of opportunities as well for the Godolphin stable of late. It's great to see, uh, as you said, in great form. Now, 
that brings us to the end of another episode of the Clarks of the Course. As we mentioned uh, earlier, everyone keep your ears to the ground. Sunday, Sunday is a massive, massive day as we roll into uh, another huge week of racing with the Everest next weekend and we'll be off the back of what is sure to be uh, a massive day coming this Saturday. But Sunday, uh, when you're a bit hungover and you're looking for something to cure the blues, man, I'm telling you, Dean and I have got some huge news coming and we're really excited to share it as well. Uh, we're really taking this up to another level. So you'll see us on Sunday. Until then, good punting on Saturday. Dino, as well to you, mate. Good luck. Uh, we'll be chatting soon. And, uh, yeah, that's uh, that's all I've got. Enjoy, punters. Enjoy Saturday. Um, one of the best days racing of the year. So sit back, enjoy, and have a cracker on the punt. See you on Sunday.